This week, the obvious question is, how do you teach a kid to be themselves? I'm Mike Trevisano, and each week, one of the hosts, Joe Vitalik, Bob Meyer, and myself, asks a question that may seem to have an obvious answer on the surface, but once we get into it, there's much more underneath, and we invite you to help us find answers through comments on our site, obviousquestion.wordpress.com, or on our Facebook page for The Obvious Question. And hey, if you're digging the show, we hope you are, please share it or give us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. So how do you teach a kid to be okay with who they are, to feel good, to be confident, and to do what they want to do? All too often, kids are driven to certain activities, behaviors, or even career paths based on what the adults in their lives think is best for them. But this may not be what the kid wants at all. So how do you guide a kid into a life that they would say, I'm happy with this. This is what I want. Most kids fall into the groups or the the, the sets of kids that they all want to behave the same. They feel bad if they're not part of the, the group. They They struggle. They might even do the wrong thing just to be part of a of a click, you know, to, to be able to sit at lunch with somebody, that kind of thing. Is there a way to do that? Is there a way to do that more effectively? Because I'm, I'm struggling with it myself, trying to say, well, how did I do it? How did I do it with my own kids? And how did my parents do it with me? And did they do a good job? You know, do I have that sense of myself and, and you know, being okay with me, being all right with myself in, in any situation? There's either no quick answer or it is it is only a quick answer, you know? It's either like, well, that's complicated. You've got to do, you know, and here's a huge list of things, or it's a it's a quick answer. It's it's uh, it's some vision that you have for your for your kid, right? You have some something much more open than that. And and I don't, I, unfortunately, I don't have that. You know, not that I not that I could form in words to share, right? But I think. I think it goes back to this idea of parent as a shepherd, right? And a shepherd, you know, the job of a shepherd is to keep the keep the sheep safe, right? And so they they point out, you know, where there's a cliff, you know, don't run off the cliff, right? Or they, if a wolf, they see a wolf coming, they they do something about the wolf, right? But they don't tell the sheep exactly what piece of grass to chomp on, right? Like they don't. That's not the the gig. But I think all too often, that's what we do, right? you know, eat, eat this, do this, this is what you should be doing, you know, and I think that that sets up sort of an adversarial relationship in a, in a way, at some point, you know, a kid doesn't want to do that, right? And, and in some times that eating the right grass starts to look a lot like the cliff or the wolf. And so now there's a confused message between between the two. And I think that if you can keep it straight, you know, Keep what your role is with your kid straight that I'm going to I'm going to shepherd you. I'm going to as best as I can, you know, point out where pitfalls are, where risks are. Right. But let you eat the grass you want to eat. Right. That that there's something to that. I think that can that can be helpful or that, that so so far. And I only have one test case and so far knock on freaking wood. And if saying this stuff is inviting the universe to prove me wrong, I'm going to be pissed at both of you guys for <laughs> talking about this. But so far that's that has seemed to work out. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. The word parent, right? It's like, it's one of those words. I haven't been out to the, the Webster dictionary or, or Wikipedia or anything, but I, I imagine it's one of those words that uses the word to define itself. 
Because what is the definition of a parent? I mean, it has nothing to do with being good or bad. It's just offspring, right? You know, I, I had I have a relative. You know, I have some relation in DNA and chromosomes and, and everything else. And this person may or may not grow up under my roof, right? Because some kids have parents or, or might be adopted or or their parents die early, you know, early childhood or things like that. Um, I think of my own parents that regardless of the experiences that we have, I've learned something from both my dad and, and, and from my mom and, and, and good and bad. And I'm a part of them in certain regards and I'm my own person in, in other ways. Um, and that, that's the beauty of, of life, right, for our kids that we want to say that we, like Mike said, we shepherd them and we, we, we guide them in, in certain ways. And, and, and in other ways, uh, there, I know for me as a child that this thing called teen angst and rebellion, right, that I did things against my parents, uh, more so my dad that I didn't have a good relationship with than my mom that... Uh, you know, whether it was the clothes that I was wearing, right? Because I, I did want to be that kid in high school that was my own person. So I had long hair and I wore clothes that were maybe more hippie-ish. I, Mike knows I still wear those clothes today, right? Because it's a part of who I am and, and my own self-identity. And it's not about, you know, somebody else. And then people would mislabel me and say, oh, that's the guy that's into heavy metal. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not into heavy metal but I'm cool with you thinking that I'm in the heavy metal, just like we we judge all kinds of people. But having that, you know, parental shepherding that allows your kid, like we talked earlier, that if if one of our kids wanted to do something extreme, like I want to get into ballet or I want to get into tap dance, something that's like, wow, I didn't expect that. What Your support of that and allowing them to blossom and grow, I think that's what a kid's going to look back on and say, you know, maybe I didn't have the best experience in high school, but my parents were there to support everything that I ever did. That's cool. Yeah, and I think I think you're onto something, Bob and Mike, also about that self-esteem thing. I think it takes that. You know, there was a senior guy at IBM that uh, we all worked with. I liked him a whole lot. He's a neat guy, and I asked him one day about kids because he had a couple of kids, and I said, "How'd you raise your kids? What What did you do to make them smart, like, or to make them?" you know, feel good about themselves. He said, it's funny, every day when they went off to school, I would yell out the front door, who's the smartest kids in the world? And they'd turn around, they'd yell back, we are, and then they'd go off to school. And I was telling my son that story. He said, did they get beaten up at school a lot? <laughs> I'd laugh because I, I saw this image of, you know, kids that being, uh, what do you want, geeks or something like that. You know, we are, we're the smartest kids. You know, everyone in the school beats them up because they don't like to hear that. But there's something about that story that I like. And and it's something about the dad or the mom, in the, you know, in either case, saying to the kids, I, I respect you and I really think you're this way. And not just saying it, but actually kind of kind of making that real for them in the sense he's willing to scream it down the street and doesn't care who hears it. And they're willing to scream it back. Now, I think <laughs> at some age, you probably had to stop doing that. But I wonder if there's a foundation that that you set with kids where you praise the right things. And, and like Mike, like you said, you don't herd them to a certain spot and make them eat a certain kind of grass you you appreciate when they eat the, the grass and it could be the weeds or whatever else but you appreciate that they're doing that well and you know and and somehow you're doing the thing that allows them to say this is who i am and and my parents support me you know which is unusual i think a lot of a lot of the things i see today and it goes back to one of the movies i think we all enjoy the most in poet society where you know, you will be a doctor, you will be this, you will be that, you will, you know, you will play this sport, whatever, almost like 
it's put on you as a requirement for success, or your peers are doing it in such a way and you have no support from from a family member, say a parent or something, to say, no, it's okay to take ballet or tap dance. That'd be great. And I'd love to see that. I can't think of too many dads I know that would say, oh, great. Instead of like basketball or football, yeah, absolutely. That's that's a great sport. Ballet is a great sport. You know, I, I just can't imagine that. So I can't see many kids being led in that direction, even if they wanted to. You know, and of course, we, we know the end of Dead Poets Society. It winds up tragic for a kid that wants to be an actor, wants to be, you know, in, in a show, that kind of thing. What a tragedy, you know, have a kid that's gifted that way and not be able to support him, you know, in an effective way. He was going to be a doctor. Yeah. But, you know, that speaks to, I think, the very, the core of the, of, of conscious parenting, right? And the idea that, that I want to be a conscious parent, which means I know I'm screwed up. You know, like I know I've got weird little things, tendencies, beliefs, all sorts of stuff. Like everybody does, right? And 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 I also know that if I'm not careful, I'm gonna push that on him. You know, it's gonna happen because it's part of me. So the only defense I have against screwing screwing my kid up with my own things that I'm screwed up with is as best as I can be aware of it, like moment to moment, all the time. Like, is what I'm thinking about on his behalf, something that's one of my weird things. And man, if it is, you know, do something different. Yeah. It's, it's so simplistic because the weird part is as parents, we forget that we have parents, right? Like, so we're, we're equipped to handle these things, right? It's like we, we either uh, thrived in the moment of growing up with our parents or we survived, right? I mean, one or the other. And, and I think for me, it, it's kind of a balance of the two that mm. even the negative things that um from my dad the way he treated me and 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 some of the things that happened in my early childhood kind of fostered me to be the type of dad that I can to my four kids that I don't know that I would I would be the person I am today if it wasn't for some of those negative influences so and I know there's probably a lot of people out there and even listeners that it's like sometimes a bad thing or a negative thing can happen to you, but you know it, it's it's all that moment of where where things click in the brain of whoever this kid is that you know it it sounds weird in a way to say that I think my kids would be the people they need to be even without me. It sounds very egotistical of me to say, well, I'm this great influence in their life, and and I want to be that person, and I. I and, Part of me says, no, that's not true, Bob. But then I also think if I just, you know, if they lived with me for five years and then I passed on and something happened, that that would be enough, that they would they would still be the person they need to be. And and this whole clicheness of what's the most important thing is that they're happy, but yet there's still these societal, you know, rules that and this game that they have, the board game of, of Earth that they have to play in, which for the most part dictates, you know, you go to college, you get a good job, you get married, you do this. I'd be more happy for my four kids to say if three or four of them break that mold and do something that I didn't even think about, um, I'm good with that. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned your dad, Bob, my dad, he was an auto mechanic and he used to say to me, um, I don't want this for you. Now tell a 17 year old kid that you shouldn't be an auto mechanic. I was into cars. I, I, I'd work with him and I'd, he'd show me stuff. And it was like, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And all my friends thought it was cool too. I mean, have a dad that could fix cars and make stuff happen like that, make things work. But he kept saying to me, I want something better for you. You don't need to do this. You can 
you know, you can go to school, you can, you can work with your mind instead of your hands. And I listened to it, but I always thought, you know, I really like this. I really enjoy this kind of thing. Why wouldn't I want to do this? And what I realized a couple of years after that, as I kind of got away from it a little bit was he was right. What he was saying is I was kind of in that trap where I was going to follow in his footsteps because it was easy to do. And I, I seemed to enjoy it. But in reality, that there was a better place out there for me. And I had to discover what that was. And he didn't know what it was. I mean, at that time, computers weren't even a potential. You know, it wasn't even such a thing. Maybe a maybe a big vacuum tube, something or other in a room somewhere that IBM was developing, but not not the computers and the technologies we have today. So when I look back on that, I think about that situation. And I think as I got older and I went to work for uh, EDS, Electronic Data Systems, as a, as a computer programmer or a systems engineer, um, my dad would say to me, just in conversation, how'd you get so smart? And he said it all the time. Whenever we talked, he'd always go, how'd you get so smart? Not just on technology stuff, but on life. And I'm starting to say that to my own kids now is, and I'm realizing they're really smart. Like you were saying, Mike, if you let them go, they, they do crazy things. I mean, if you just allow them to do their own thing, but I'm reinforcing it by saying, how'd you get so smart? How did you, because I didn't do that. I had nothing to do with their smartness in that sense. I had nothing to do with their learning, but I think what's happened is they picked up stuff and done things that I never could have shepherded them towards. You know, if I were the shepherd that said, eat that grass, they'd probably be, well, in fact, my older son, see, I, I learned this stuff too late because um, he wanted to be a, an actor. That was his thing in life when he was 16, 17 years old. And I told him that'd be a great hobby, a great thing to think about, you know, along with school and stuff. Uh, my younger son wanted to be uh, a race car driver. And when my older son went to Penn State, he graduated with a, a degree in computer science. And I, I was thrilled, you know, and, and for the four years he was there, I was like, yeah, cool. You know, it's doing well. And after graduation, I said, so what made you go into computer science after all that stuff about acting and all that? And he, he looked at me, stopped, he looked at me, he said, you don't, you don't know, you don't understand why I did that? And it was like the little light bulb that popped in my head was like, oh my God, I've created another me. I wasn't good enough to, to allow the things, you know, to praise the things that he was good at. Now, I, my younger son was going to be a race car driver and um, he took up golf. At that point, I was a little more uh, changing as a person, trying to allow things to happen. And he actually went to school at Penn State also for golf, golf management, professional golf management. And came out as a pro golfer. Now he doesn't—he doesn't work in that environment today, but it's what he wanted, and, and he went for it. I never would have dreamt of something like that. I had no way to steer him towards it, or, if anything, steer him away from it. You know, it's like, well, that's kind of a hobby thing. You don't—you don't want to get into that full time. So, I think there was something really important about the influence that a person, is, particularly a parent, so it could be a teacher or whatever, but a parent typically that would allow for those very things you're talking about. But boy, when you talk about happiness and then try to figure out what that is and not understand that it's really on them to be happy, not for you to be happy for them. And that's a huge thing. That changes everything.